Uh, so, Morena, everyone, as um, you said, my name is Jennifer Lillo, and I have the privilege of sharing with you today. As a book of the Bible, Proverbs has some awesome tidbits in it. It's a whole book with really straightforward advice uh, and applications that we can use in our daily life. It doesn't pull any punches. For example, when Jerem first, first asked me if I would share a proverb, I was sitting next to my brother and I said, if you had to do a proverb, which proverb would you do? And he said, oh, easy, Proverbs 12.1, which he paraphrased as, whoever hates correction is stupid. Um, he said that right after I tried convincing my family that Larry was an abridged version of Lerald instead of Lawrence. Um, so I, I think I know where he was going with that. <laughs> so while I appreciate the bluntness of chapter 12, I'd like to share with you today from Proverbs chapter 14, 13, which says, even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy maybe grief. Now you're probably thinking, Jennifer, that is such a sad thought for a Sunday morning. We're worshiping together, we're having hopefully coffee and tea afterwards, we're fellowshipping with one another. Um, why would you pick such a sad proverb? So please stick with me, friends, and we'll get through this um, this morning. Unlike a lot of proverbs, um, this proverb doesn't tell us specifically what to do and what not to do. Uh, it just tells us what life is like while we're here on earth. So maybe you're asking, Jennifer, what's life like while you're here on Earth at the moment? Uh, if you haven't guessed it by now, as pointed out, I'm from the States originally. And last month, I got to visit my family in the States for the first time since moving to New Zealand in um, early 2020. I went back uh, for my brother's wedding. My immediate family has not been in the same room together, let alone the same time zone together, for almost three years. To say that the dinner table that first night we were back was full of joy would be an absolute understatement. We laughed until we cried, we ate tacos, um, we enjoyed getting to hear about what has been going on in everybody's lives for the past few years. But in an undercurrent of that family conversation were all the unspoken, um, unspoken missing moments that we'd had for three years. I didn't get to see my brother and his fiance develop in their dating and their engaged relationship. Um, a number of my families have had um, family members have long-term health conditions that aren't, aren't going away. And I was also realizing that we might not know when the next time we're gonna get to have dinner together would be. It's so strange to me how often um, heartache follows joy very quickly. I think most of us think of joy and grief as opposites. So how can the end of joy be grief? It's actually very easy. Has anyone ever seen the uh, Pixar movie Inside Out? It's on Disney Plus and there are spoilers, so my apologies if you haven't seen it yet. Um, in the movie, it's about this little girl named Riley. She's controlled by five emotions in her brain, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. Um, the five emotions create memories for her as she's growing up. Uh, the yellow memories are joyful memories. The blue memories are sad memories. They're all stored in, in marbles. During the film, joy and sadness are just constantly at odds on trying to create joyful memories versus sad memories. But the, the crux of the film is when they create a memory together, one marble that is both blue and yellow. Those watching the movie realize that more than one emotion can happen at the same time. 
Have you ever had an amazing day and someone texts you, we need to talk, and it ruins your day? Last week sometime. Um, have you ever been on a lovely boating outing and your boat dies and someone has to come rescue you and you're stranded in the water three hours? As a kid, did you ever eat way too many sweets and then ride on a fast-moving carnival ride and got sick for the rest of the day? All true stories, by the way. How quickly our circumstances change and how quickly our emotions change along with them. So you might be thinking, well, if that's the case, I don't want anything to do with heartache. I don't want anything to do with grief. So I'm just going to constantly search after pleasure and avoid sadness altogether. Friends, I'm sorry to say that that doesn't work. And I say that as someone who has tried very, very often to fill the heartache with more pleasant things instead. The author of Ecclesiastes tried the same thing. They tried undertaking great projects like planting vineyards, owning um, more herds than anybody else. They started a choir, which I might have joined at the time. They were cheering themselves on and amassing treasures, but they write in chapter one, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. You can chase whatever you want, but it will not fulfill. And often what we chase ends up bringing more heartache and more grief. So as I was praying and preparing for this devotional over the past couple of weeks, I kept asking God a question, which I'm sure many of you have asked God before, which is, what should I, what should I do about this? If this proverb doesn't tell us what to do or what not to do, um, then what am I supposed to be doing about this text? And God put on my heart two things. And I'm ignoring all of my English teacher's advice, and we're going to start with the second one and then jump back to the first. So don't tell Mrs. Mills if you see her. Step two is to be humbly honest. Raise your hand if someone has asked you or if you have asked someone else sometime this week, how are you? I'd be most of us probably half a dozen times this morning still. Like a good Scandinavian Midwestern American, I am one of those people that keeps emotions on the inside of me at all times so that I don't inconvenience anyone else. But when I look around at other people, when I looked around at my family when we were sitting around the dinner table back at home, it's easy to read the faces of joy and it's much more difficult to read someone's heart. Just because someone is smiling doesn't mean that their heart is happy. How many times a day do we get asked, how are you? And when was the last time you answered honestly? Have you ever just responded, fine? And someone looked and said, no, how are you? And this time, tell me the truth. Someone asked me a few months ago, and man, it felt so good to be seen. And I say that as an excellent wall builder myself, we often build up our walls around us. But if we don't share our true situation, how can people possibly minister to us and speak into our lives? And if we're not honestly asking that question to others and we don't know what's going on with them, how can we truly minister and speak into others' lives? So I'm not saying you need to break in front of tears in front of your coworker this week when they ask, how are you? But ask and answer this question honestly this week. Because friends, our day-to-day -day feelings and changes of feelings may end up they, they might surprise those around us if we're giving honest answers, but they don't surprise Jesus because unlike us, as Julian Clay mentioned, Jesus sees the heart. He sees all of those big and small things that we've tucked up inside of ourselves 
and that includes heartache and grief that we often won't show to others. So but before we can do step two, we need step one. Step one is to start by acknowledging that joy, true joy, does not come from our present circumstances, but from the one in whom true joy can be found. Our circumstances and emotions can change as quickly as the Wellington wind. We may not be happy in our present circumstances, but fortunately, true joy isn't dependent on our current circumstances, but rather on resting in the knowledge that God sent Jesus, who came and died for our sins. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and in honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When I am sad, when I am grieving, I remind myself to stop and focus on Jesus. Can I encourage you this week, if you already know Christ, take time to sit down and be with him in all of your emotions and in all of your circumstances. He's God, he can see what you're going through, and he is there for you. And if you don't know Jesus, don't worry. He knows your circumstances and wants to know you as well. My time back in the States brought up a lot of emotions, good and bad, as all of my family members go on to start new chapters in our lives in various places around the world. But I'm going to end with a psalm instead of starting with a proverb. But while weeping may endure for a night, joy, true joy, comes in the morning. Thank you. <laughs>